This episode of Finding Demon Surf Fishing is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. You need some hooks? Maybe some swivels? Whoa, I don't know. Maybe you need to get your hands on some other components or other things for fishing. DS Custom Tackle has you covered. Anywhere from floats, individual rigs, teasers, uh, the Berries rig, the BS Custom. Oh, such a good one right there. Barry's got a great rig. It's got some real cool stuff. So you should definitely go take a look at that. But other kind of floats and other kind of rigs you want to build, they got you covered, man. So any kind of tackle supply, head on over to dscustomtackle.com. Take a look. Get your order in. Quick shipping. And those guys are really quick on uh, helping you out if you need it. So dscustomtackle.com. Get your order in today. New week, new episode. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Things have been going well. Hopefully the fish have been blowing up your lines and you've just been making memories and crushing it. And some of the tips here in the podcast have given you a little bit of a competitive edge. Yeah, that'd be the win. Yes. This week we're taking another fun little digital trip. We're heading up to New England. That's right. We're going up to Massachusetts. We're going to be talking with Chris Peters this week of mass surf fishing. And it's been kind of fun. I've been, you know, sneaking into these uh, different groups in different states and watching what they catch and how they do it and man it is it is some pretty fish around the world and i, I just i wish i had uh had won several lotteries and i could just travel to all these and and go catch like these uh these anglers are getting after it so lots of cool stuff so like i said we're going up to massachusetts we're going to talk with chris and uh i hope y'all are ready because this is going to be a really educational one i know that i just i just have that feeling so without further ado chris welcome to the show man you want to do that I am glorious. It's a nice evening, uh, decent, decent little spring weather starting for us here. How's it up there? Uh, a little chilly tonight, but we had a little bit of warm weather, so I'm starting to move everything forward. Yeah. Uh, coming out of the old thaw of, the, uh, of winter, getting finally back into the nice, comfortable springs. Oh, man. I, I miss spring and summer in New England. I, I, don't, I don't miss winter, though. Yeah, me neither. I, that's the one thing about New England. I can't stand the winter. We didn't even get enough cold for ice fishing this year. Really? I was going to ask you that because uh, I, I, my cousin's up in Maine. I got family up there, and I did not hear about a lot of ice fishing throughout all the people that I normally follow. So I, I'm kind of surprised to hear that. Yeah, we didn't get any ice that I know of out here where I am. Damn, man. That's that's great. So you far from the coast? Um, I'm about 40 minutes from the Cape Cod Canal. Oh, okay. That's Closer a... towards, like, uh, Mount Hope Bay and Rhode Island area. So I'm, like, pretty central to anything I really want to get to. Yeah. I mean, hell, you can run south down. Like, hell, you can hit Rhode Island, Connecticut, and if you want to do the evil long run down to the Long Island, that's... that's... Uh, I mean, my girl, we're just talking about in June, we're uh, going out to Long Island for the weekend. Going to get a hotel and just fish up on the surf for the weekend. Oh, I've heard good things about that, so I'm sure you can... yeah cue us in especially there have you uh I, I never asked anybody this you ever done new hampshire or maine on beach fishing um not too much beach fishing up there i've done a lot of like intercoastal stuff like uh rivers i went up to the merrimack which is right on the mm -hmm. new hampshire massachusetts border i was up there the past two weekends but nothing crazy okay well fishing up there is still awesome and i mean i i grew up there i grew up in connecticut so I, I think of fishing back there and I'm like, yeah, they get big. They get real big. Yeah, we get some we get big fish in a lot of different species. Yeah. All right. Let's turn it let's turn the dial back here. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell us your story and what got you into fishing. Um, pretty much same as everyone. Uh, my mom started taking me when I was younger. Went on some few tournaments with my grandfather on his little bass boat. Rode my bike all around the towns, doing a little pond hopping, largemouth doing stuff like that and then probably 10 years ago my cousin got me into surf fishing and been doing that we got we struck out the first like two years hitting the beaches every night we could think of trying everything and at the time there was really no social media and not too many people talking about it out here there's mm -hmm. a few select groups but you had to like know people yeah 
And then that's where I came up with the mass surf fishing for everyone trying to get into it. People can ask questions, feel free to like not be harassed or talked down to. That's, that's pretty much where we're up now. Dude, I love that about your group. It's the same it's the same kind of principle I push down here with the guys that we run with panhandle surf fishing. It's like ask questions. Somebody's gotta learn somewhere. And you know, back in the day it was us asking grandpa or that guy we saw on the beach and they kind of felt bad for us as kids, like, Oh, I'll, I'll give you a little tip. But as an adult, they look at you like, Piss off, dude. Why why are you near my hole? Yeah, when me and my cousin were first trying down the canal, we if you didn't know someone, they weren't talking. Oh wow. And we spent a year or two down there just striking out, trying to figure out how to get the bass, where they were, what levels they were on, what they were feeding on. That's frustrating. So, oh, yeah. I can only imagine. And how, good on you for starting a group for that, man. Real good on you for that. Yeah, it's um, going good. It's recently started growing. I recently started talking to the Brockton VA, see if maybe I can take some veterans out to the surf with me this year. I'm out there two or three nights a year, out a week with my girlfriend. Might as well see if someone wants to come out and spend the night on the surf with us. So do you get to drive on the beaches out there, or do you still got to walk it? Uh, there's a few down the Cape that you can drive on, but most of the ones I hit, it's pretty close parking. You park right on the beach, and then the surf's right up to you. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you can still play on the Cape like that, man. I mean, I always worried you start seeing all the buildings and everything, but like, nope, shut it all down. Yeah, there's not too many drive-ons. Just down to like a churro uh, or turtle down that way. Okay, nice. Well, you've been up there this whole time, and you do a lot of fishing, like you just said. What type of fishing do you really like to do? Um, a lot of canal fishing, and then recently I got into surf fishing. I hooked into a massive stingray from the beach, and that just had me hooked. There's nothing <laughs> like it. <laughs> Pulling drag for days. Yeah, last year I fought one for uh, two hours on the beach. I had a line of people, and then it finally wrapped me around a buoy, and I had to pop it off. Oh, no. That jerk. Yeah, the worst. Oh, that feels like it right there. So what's your favorite thing about fishing? Just the relaxation, and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Out here you can get anything from scup, sea robin, fluke, flounder, those uh, big stingrays that I was catching. I've hooked into a few sharks. You never know what you are going to get. Yeah, man. Love that about this sport. So good. So good. You, uh, you mentioned the sea robins. You, uh, you keep and cook or no? I'm not too big of a fish eater, but okay. I know some people say they're really, really good. Yeah. I had that from an interview a long while back. The old Palm professor, he dropped these, uh, he was from up there, up in the northeast like us, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you used to eat sea robin all the time. And I, I look at that fish, I'm like, that is a gnarly-looking fish. Yeah, and it's weird how aggressive they are, too. Oh, like, yeah. You would think I'm just catching them on chunks, but I've had them hit SP minnows and jigs. They'll pretty much hit anything in front of them. That's crazy, man. I've never thrown any metal at them, so I might try this year and see if I can't entice some, uh, entice some strikes there. That'd be. I have a feeling oh, yeah, that'd be a fun fight. stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> on the ultralights though it's fun nice light power test little spinning gear okay. i got the tawny river right in my backyard so i fish that a lot in the springtime oh, got the that... herring moving flu uh, uh, big stripers bluefish the herring All right, i was wondering backyard. i was wondering if you've got the herring there yeah but we can't touch them so oh okay they, they put another little slappy no touchies on okay Oh, yeah, as long as I can remember, herring have been protected up here. I, I was watching down south some of the people down there, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe you guys can use them. They're strict up here. Wow. Yeah, that's good to know. So, yeah, if you're getting, you guys are going up the mass, you hear the word herring, just avoid it. Leave it alone. Don't touch oh, it. Oh, yeah, don't go near the runs. They put up gates around them. So they protect them pretty nice. All right. Hey, preserving the species. One day maybe we'll be able to get back after them. Well, who knows? Yeah, they're saying the population's growing in a few towns. So my buddy was just telling me that they haven't had herring there for years, but they, they're finally coming up the ladders again. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. That's real good then. That's real, real good. So what is a bucket list fish that you want to catch? Honestly, I've always been a shark person, and my favorite species is a bull shark. Ooh. That's on my bucket list. I want to catch one bigger than me from the surf. Oh, okay. Come on down. 
<laughs> yeah, I came, me and my girl went to Florida like uh, two summers ago. And we went down to Panama City. We booked a little guy to take us down, but we ended up striking out two nights in a row. Them damn fish, man. They're, those sharks are finicky. Like I, I, I've been trying to understand that more and more when as I as I follow some of them on social media, and it's like, yeah, it's not always a guaranteed hit, man. That sometimes those sharks just are real shy. Yeah, they'll they'll just turn away from it. So, what's a so dr- right up and just turn their nose? No, snooty, snooty fish. Enjoy the enjoy the dead meat and just come on in, man. I'll let you go. I promise. You're not coming home with right? us. It's all good. Just tag you and send you on your way. Exactly. <laughs> Where would be a dream place that you want to go fish someday? Probably Australia. I see a lot of big fish caught from the surf in Australia. Yeah, they make them big down there too. That Those are crazy looking hits, man. I've been seeing a lot of people catching like GTs from the surf off the cliffs and stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't even know where you would try that, but that looks like it would be a blast. So a couple guys on TikTok like that. Just, over that ledge and just throwing it and it's like oh dude if you fall nothing good yeah, ends here definitely oh okay uh it, well this is one of my favorites before we move into the next section here so let's go ahead and ask that one what has been your favorite fishing memory probably one that i can think of is uh, i took my mom surf fishing a few years ago she wanted to go out there with me and we were out there fishing for big rays all of a sudden i wanted to go take a walk down take a few casts on my ultralight for stripers. I'm there maybe 15 minutes or so, not getting a hit. I walk back over and she got probably a five foot shark landed on the beach by herself. Whoa. Just sitting there in the surf. She's like, yeah, I couldn't go near it. So I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I was like, way to go, mom. Handle the she just beast. Picked up that rod, set, set the hook and just fought it herself dude that's so cool that must have been absolutely top five memories uh, in life in oh, itself yeah. seeing how she taught me how to fish and then bringing it full circle bringing her out there for a fish that she hasn't seen that size in person well let's move into the fun part of the show here of uh, what i like to call the old stealing of the knowledge because quite frankly this is where we all learn and this is how we're going to make each other better so when you're going to go fishing up there in that area, I mean, you got plenty of shoreline like we just talked about in the beginning. you got a lot, couple of different states you can play with between the Atlantic Ocean or going into one of the sounds. Lots of good movements there. How do you plan your fishing trip? Uh, mostly, it's I do a lot of canal fishing if I'm not just stuck up on the beach somewhere. So I'll just check the tides for the morning, see what time slack tide is, try to head down for a slack tide that way i can get there hopefully it lines up moving tides around sunrise sunrise sunset you usually have killer bites down there oh yeah that's just like i said we went there for two years struck out and then one year we were like oh let's try the magic swimmers we were like all right yeah we hit bass 20 pounds all year long we're like this is awesome next year my buddy's like yo try jigging you'll go down a little bit deeper that's where the big girls hang out I remember I ended up hitting up, we had the squid blitz, I think it was 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Anyone out here that was around will know it. It was just squid just jumping out of the water, just at your feet. I was filling up trash bags for bait. <laughs> yes. I hooked into like my personal best of like 35 pounds, let that go, casted out another Al Gags jig, and then all of a sudden my reel just started screaming. I had the uh, VR 200 with a Shimano Taraleo, the fish just screamed, ended up being like 48 pounds, 51 and a half inches. The striper? Yep. Oh, dude, that's a friggin' tank. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I got a few pictures up there on social media of it. I mean, people go their whole lifetime fishing for a 40-pound fish, and I just got lucky that I was there that morning, and it went off. Have you caught one like that since? I've caught a few 40s, but nothing close to that. That was by far the tank, probably fish of my life, oh. striper of my life. And that was on a, that was on a, what, an Gags jig? Yeah, Gags. It was weird because uh, there was a squid blitz and all my squid jigs got destroyed. <laughs> so I ended up throwing on one of his old chartreuse mackerel jigs and some reason that big girl wanted that mackerel wow 
I mean, there's there's matching the hatch, which I totally get. I mean, you got squid around. It's like, all right, the bait's here. Let's use that. It's going to get in between the mix. But yep. she was That's snooty. the biggest thing out here is matching the hatch. But once I ran out of orange, I had to throw something. But that and that chartreuse was the perfect color change for it. I bet it was like, oh, what's that? I want that instead. Yeah. Dude, nice. I mean, e- even if that was planned, that that's just real smart. I mean, you said it. I, my brain clicked right away. It's like, yeah, you match the hatch, nothing happened. All right, change the hatch a little. Well, like I said, it all happened. They were destroying the orange. I just ran out. They destroyed yeah. all of my jigs. Oh, man, that's so cool. Dude, I, I'm like, I'm an envy right now. That's that's like a that's a. A memory fish forever right there. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I've been spoiled with some of the big bass. Like, I think it was, uh, what year was it, 20, 2018, 20, Hurricane Jose. We were out there on the canal during the hurricane, and it was just 30-pound <laughs> fish one after the other. <laughs> they were running up trying to get shelter? <laughs> yeah, they were just chased, stuck in the canal. They couldn't go out each end. And they were just hung up on bait for that whole hurricane. Oh, fish in a barrel. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, now that you've told us how you're planning it, how do you select your spot once you get where you were going? Um, pretty much always big game fish. You want to try to find the holes. If you look at the water as it's moving, you can usually see the different, I don't want to call it textures of the surface, but you can see where those holes are, where the rock piles are. Always try to target, I call it structure, any structure, and there's usually fish around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, structure's good. Structure's key, especially when you have no uh, no real structure. Anything with change is good. Mm-hmm. You're fishing those big canals. You find one rock pile that's standing all at one little point. You want to try to focus on it. Right. Makes sense there. All right. So you found some holes. You found basically the stretch you're going to run. So now it's time to cast it out. Where are you throwing the line? Uh, depending on which way the jigs run, uh, the canal's running, left or right, you want to throw it as far up current as you can. By the time it's going to sink and hit bottom, the lure's 90, 90% of the time right in front of you. And then you just bounce it up and down. It'll swing its way to the shore and then just reel it up. And you pretty much cover every water column from there in. Do you, do you find that one speed works for you or anything like that? Or do you do the alternating, like, all right, let's see which one's going to be the hitter today? That's how it is. You got to figure out what they want that day. Some days it's nice, slow bouncing off the bottom. Other days, as soon as you hit, you just start cranking it in and just keep messing around until you find what they're feeding on. Because if you're not doing that style, sometimes you won't get a bite. Yeah, okay. That definitely makes sense. All right. So you primarily fish, uh, it sounds like, I mean, I'm guessing here by all means, please correct me. It, it sounds like you primarily throw jigs and metal in the water versus type like a set rig, a, a soaking bait. If I'm going to the beach, it's usually soaking baits, but I haven't had too much striper luck from the beach. Okay. It's more of my striper has been canals, and lately I've been like, I want to, past two years i was like i want to venture out to the surf more and that's what i've been trying to focus out there i'll throw out the uh, fish finder rigs we gotta go i'll use the circle hooks out here that's the mandate yep yep the inline uh you guys have the inline yeah circle too that that mandate or the offset yep uh inline yeah Yeah, i've heard about that one it's hey it's not that bad to use an inline it seems to work just fine like every other hook (laughs) absolutely the only thing you gotta Remember is if you have, like, say you have a scup rig out or they call them porgies, those ones you got to set it. So bouncing from rod to rod is where it messes you up because sometimes you have the hook, J hooks on those, but all the striper rigs, you got to have the inline circles. So that's where it can mess you up. But Okay. So if you're out at the beach, same thing with the cat. Well, what do you plan on for casting when you're at the beach and not throwing metal? Um, I like a lot of top water. If I'm at the, if I'm throwing it like surf, I'll throw out my big 11, 12 foot rods. I'll throw it on with an eel or like a bluefish head going for a ray. They love the bluefish heads for some reason. <laughs> Oily, stinky happiness. So, and I, I want to venture a lot more self now, try to target some bigger species out here. We don't really have too many that we can get into from the beach. Okay. What what uh what are you trying to target bigger wise? Are you just looking after stripers or are you looking to go after something else? 
Uh, for stripers, I think we pretty much have the big ones, except for breeding season in the Chesapeake. Yeah. Oh, Other yeah. than that, I, up here we get the. I couldn't believe it. I went on a tuna charter last year. The, the amount of fish we have in Cape Cod will just blow your mind. You can go out and catch mahi mahi down in Stellwagen. Damn. So you got a full mirror. I mean, I remember the tuna. You hear about tuna all the time. Obviously, Wicked Tuna, the TV show, is based up in the, the that area. But the uh, you start talking about going offshore. Hell, you got swords. You got the tunas. You got the biggins. They're all, everything's there. And it's not that far offshore because the shelf's not too far. No, it's real close to us. So that's what I say. You come up here, you go down to the canal, and you'll just see cars from every state. It's uh, just a known fishery. Perfect. And it's truly amazing. Like the sights, just sitting on the beach, enjoying the sunrise or sunset. There's nothing like it. Okay. Makes a lot of sense there. Well, we've already talked for first 20 here, so let's get right into the most important thing. Well, not really important, but you've been fishing for a while and you got to check your bait. It is the very first bait check of the episode. Hopefully you got a bunch of fish by now if you've been listening at the beach. And if you haven't, well, change it up a little bit. It might be something different. Maybe you need a different type of bait. Maybe you need to use, I don't know, maybe uh, shrimpies or fleas or crabs. Hey, change it up. That's variety is the spice of life. This episode, or this bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Kids Can Fish is a state and federally recognized 501c3 charitable foundation. All camps, clinics, and outreach are funded by website merchandise sales, sponsors, and donations. The mission is to teach kids the fundamentals of fishing and the most importantly to have fun. Like they always say, more tackle boxes, less Xboxes. There is still available time for you to sign up for the 2023 Running of the Bulls uh, Fishing Tournament out of St. Simons Island, Georgia. So if you go over to the website, kidscanfish.net, you can get involved with that. You can also see all the things that they're doing with the program. And if you can donate, that's a place to do it. So kidscanfish.net. Now we've talked about those ones there. Let's talk about this. So you mentioned a couple of different rigs uh, that you're using. Now, when you're at, at the beach and you're doing soaking, um, I know that your structure is a little funky up there because it's not all sand. You've got rock. You've got a bunch of different types of bottoms. What kind of sinkers do you use? Uh, I've been lately getting into the Sputniks. Um, one of the people I met on Facebook, he hit, sent me some Sputniks, and they've all been working awesome. Those have been my go-to. Nice. Okay. Which guy, who's doing the sinkers for you? Uh, his name's uh, Peter J. Hanley, and he sent me, he has ranges from one ounce to six ounces and different length necks on them. So he has pretty much every setup you'll need for out here. Nice. I don't think I've heard his name before. I don't know. It sounds somewhat familiar, but yeah, dude, Sputniks, I love them. Uh, I've had numerous people ask me, like, why do you use that? We got sandy bottoms. Everything's great here. And I was telling them, like, uh, I can cast it further with a Sputnik, and it's going to hold about four times better than any of the pyramids I'm going to throw. So, dude, those things are yep. money, man. That and with the current, it's, it just sticks in. And even with the sand, they just the spikes stick in, and it's not moving anywhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, a four-ouncer can act you like can an eight-ounce. Exactly. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> See, we're on, the same, we're on the same track of thought here. That's all good. <laughs> Exactly. See, you you mentioned matching the hatch, and we're talking, you know, throwing lures and bait. Uh, Is there any other baits that you like to use, or is it are you primarily throwing fresh bait, like fresh dead stuff like that? My favorite thing is top water because you'll never. There's nothing like seeing a thirty pound bass just come up and inhale one of your lures. You know, there's nothing like it. Uh, like up here, we got, I got a local guy who's actually in my town, lights out lures. He makes a phenomenal top water. And I remember one day me and my cousin were on the canal, and there was probably this like seven-year-old kid there from New Hampshire. No idea what he's doing. He was just like, oh, I'm at, near the water. Let's try fishing. We gave him one of those lures, and he hooked up with like a 25-inch bass, and the kid was so happy. <laughs> look at that, dude. You See, look at you spreading the good news to these kids and making them feel better. That's what it's all about. When I heard your uh, less Xboxes, more tackle boxes, I was like, I want to do something like that up here. Like, you know, I don't really hear about anything like that up here. Yeah, I wish kids can fish. I mean, I'm hoping one day, and I'm, I'm real hopeful that they go national. Um, but even if these splinter ones, getting these kids out, man, nowadays, especially away from all the friggin' nuts of the world, the social media and all the digital stuff, 
get back to the primitive, just get in the water, man, throw something. Such a huge benefit for them. Absolutely. And Even if they catch a little teeny scup or a little fish, it's, there's nothing like it for them. Yep. Yeah, man. I mean, like for us, it was different. You know, you're, I think you're about my age. I'm 42. How old are you? Uh, 34. Okay, 34. So we have a few years disparity. But still growing up, I remember it was get the hell out of the house. And that's just how it was up there. We go play in the woods and go get stupid. And, you know, yeah, go don't f- come home until the streetlights are on. Exactly. And, you know, going out with dad or grandpa or, you know, or just a family member. Look, we're getting in the boat. We're fishing. You know, you throw the bobber out there and you're just like, but you're still doing something like that. And it's nothing better than that tug, man. That tug is the draw. Yeah. Um, I'm recently been taking the stepdaughter fishing and she's loving it. She's asking me all the time. When can I go to the beach with you for the night fishing? When can I go to the beach with you? I'm like, it's different at night. Like you can't play in the sand. There's no playing in the water. Like you can come, but it's different. Dude, that nighttime water, I mean, strange things come out in the night water. Especially up here in the Cape. Every beach we go to, it says, caution, great whites. (laughs) So there's no plane in the water at night. No, no, I don't need to give them any other reason. That's for damn sure. It definitely makes some thoughts go through your head when you're out there in waders or trying to get to a rock. (laughs) <laughs> ankle deep's fair enough for me at least i can see it try to come at me i get i get one shot like a you know killer whale comes up on the beach and nails a seal to be kind of like that it'd be really sad and painful for me. oh yeah luckily i've never had any encounters like that but uh, yeah. it's a matter of time when i'm there enough it's a matter of time <laughs> god that's so bad that's so bad oh yeah uh, so like you said, uh, you, you got a bunch of different fishing. Uh, and so in the surf, when you're out there, what are you targeting? Uh, pretty much, I'm looking, the one thing I look for is where there's an estuary coming out and feeding into the the beach. Oh, okay. I love when there's water pushing out, because if there's water pushing out, there's bait fish pushing out, and then there's predatory fish waiting for them. It's like a giant rip coming out and just feeding them. You know, we have a lot of, like, ponds and estuaries that just dump right into the ocean. No. You find up, set up near one of them, and you're going to find some kind of fish out there. Oh, man, that's got to be a great... And are those spots normally completely and utterly stacked with anglers? No. Usually when you're on the beach, like, there's not many people. You go down to the canal, and we call that combat fishing. It's shoulder to shoulder. (laughs) You got to kind of know the rules before you go down there. Unless you're going to find a rock by yourself, it's everyone casting a line. You wait for the dude all the way at the end to cast, and you cast to the side of him, and then everyone's lure works in a, a line. So there's a whole etiquette for fishing the canal. Wow. That's really good that you guys have that, though. I mean, I bet it's a couple people will screw it up, but they'll figure it out real quick, and everything will be okay. But that's exactly. got to be Exactly. So as long as you like pay attention and just kind of watch, see what everyone else is doing, it's easy to pick up. Okay. Definitely makes sense. What do you do when you go fishing in a brand new place? I uh, definitely try to find some holes in the water, look for the surf, see if I can find a deep spot, see if there's any estuaries near there. And uh, you always want to hit up the local bait shops and ask them. They'll tell you some spots to go. Yeah. So your bait shops are like your bait and tackle shops are a lot like ours. Then they're all for giving you. I mean, they're not going to give you grid coordinates, but they're all about trying to get you on the fish. Yeah, especially like the little local ones. Sometimes the ones right on the water can be a little more. What do you need? But <laughs> most of them are pretty cool. Well, how do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? Uh, adjust a lot of depths, try different baits, see, cause you never know what they're going to be feeding on that day. I'll try throwing out a chunk of, when I go out, I'll bring bluefish, I'll bring mackerel, pogies or bunker, Manhattan, whatever you guys want to call them, wherever you're from. And then squid, depending on if I want to go for some little bottom fish, maybe some sea worms and just try out anything. Cause you never know what they are going to be on. My buddy caught a 50 pounder on a clam. Really? A big old cohogger, or what were you using? Little clam strip. He was just down there using one of the little estuaries, a guy a little bit older than me, and he's like, dude, I have the fish on my wall. He's like, it was massive. See, that's the cool thing with up there is, like down here, I know if I go to the beach anywhere in Florida, I can normally find, I'm probably going to find sand fleas or mole crabs. And 
going to be lights out. Like fish love them. It's the same with like shrimp. Everything loves shrimp, crab, blah, blah, blah. But you mentioned a bunch of different things up there in the New England area. And like my brain went right to it. You know, you're talking about sea worms, like blood worms. You got so many different things that you can fight with up there. Then they all try to hit it. Yep. And there's so much. Like, I wish we had like sea uh, sand fleas and stuff up here like that. Because you go to the beach, usually the most you're going to find is some crabs under the rocks. Like right now, the Tatoga moving in. They got some big old teeth on them. <laughs> yeah, those big fish. So they like those crabs. You throw the crabs inside the rocks, and they'll just take you for a nice little run. Have you found a certain bait for a certain species, or is it pretty much like, all right, I'm going to try this and see what happens, and just every fish it, hits something different? It's usually the time of year. Like if you come in, like, for instance, for Tatog, in the beginning of the year, they're on crabs because you got the teeth at the end of the year. They don't have their teeth. They'll mostly go after worms. Stripers, it's all match the hats. The beginning of the year, we got the herons running in, so you want the light blues, stuff like that. Middle of the summer, the bunker running, so then you want the browns with the little spots. Then if you got the schools of mackerel running, you want to switch to the greens. So it's all, and then with the squid running, you got the pinks. So you got to do a lot of finding out what bait is in the area at that time. Dude, that's really interesting. You're the first person to really bring up color differential in bait. That's oh, yeah, there's a big, big. I've been fishing with my cousin. And we'll be down the canal. You, you can't see what bait is in there in the middle of June, July. we got so many different species. He'll be using a purple. I'll be using a black in the middle of the night. They'll only go after purple. So I'll switch over to a purple. All of a sudden, I'll start hooking up. Wow. Sometimes they're just locked on to colors. So when so on lure set, color makes a huge difference. And on the bait one and on live and dead bait, it's knowing what's in the water, what's running, and how to get get your hands on it there to throw it back out for them to eat. Absolutely. Damn. If you see the mackerel or the bunker, you can throw out a, a little snag rig and reel it in, snag yourself some bunker or mackerel. Makes a lot of sense. Do you do any cast netting from the beach, or do you just uh, bring it in, whatever, hit the hook like a bait hook out, and, all right, I got live bait, here recently, we go. Recently, uh, I wanted to get into cast netting. I have not. Usually, I'll throw out my treble hook if I school, see a school bunker, and if not, then I'll hit the bait shops, because we're not going to find too much bait on the beaches. Okay, so they're a little further out. Like, they're, they're doing their normal yeah. swim. They're, they're basically in, the, in the, the swim lane with everything else. Exactly. You got your times, like, if you're there... It, sometimes they'll go off right in the morning. They'll blitz for a whole school as a bunker. You can walk across them. It's, sometimes they come in. Other times you're out by the first buoys. Damn, man. That's a, that's a haul to the buoys. Yeah. <laughs> that's like one of the mackerel spots. If you're out there in the, by the canal, you head out towards the buoy, and a lot of people will jig up some mackerel. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. All right. So with the... It, you got such a different piece there for fishery. How is fishing different in your area that you're at right now than the other areas that you visited? Pretty much the same. You want to throw, uh, for, well, for me, because you want to go for, I go for the predatory fish. Right. So you're trying to look for the ambush. You look for the bait fish. If you can find some kind of structure, you'll usually find some kind of fish. But I haven't done too much traveling. I, that's the one thing I'm saying to myself this year. I'm, I want to go out a couple weekends to a few different states, try to get on some fish that don't come up this way. Yeah. Okay. That, dude, That I think you're going to be super successful. I mean, based on everything you've told me right now, I'm like, oh, he's good. <laughs> don't worry. He's got this. So that's that's really cool that you found that. Like the cracking that combination, though, of colors is you're pinging in my head right now of things I need to think of down here. And then when I go fishing like the outer banks or something, but I just never really figured on color. I've always been more of a scent person. Yeah, honestly, I've never even looked into scent throwing plastics or uh, metals. It's just always match the hatch. That's the one thing I was taught. And I don't know why, but for some reason, these both bluefish and stripers, they have pretty big eyes. And they can see colors very well. Oh, see those big bluefish. I mean, those are some serious teeth too. Those little oh, guys, they're man, they're a beastly right there. It's like, hold on. Oh, by the way, I'm 36 inches, and you're gonna feel every one pulling. Pound for pound, they fight better than striper any day. Wow, really? Yeah, that's cool. 
I've, I have yet to catch a striper, so I, I have, uh, I'm still very sad at myself for never catching one. Oh, it's a good time. I mean, like I said, we got really lucky. We fished the canal. They say it's never been like that. Some of the years that I was fishing it, and we just got on some massive fish. <laughs> I'm all excited for that thought right there. Probably like one of my biggest ones from the river was probably like 36 inches. That's right behind my house. And that's a decent sized striper. Yeah, it is. That's a fine looking one right there. That's a good little meal. But once you're getting into the 40 inches and the 30 pounds, it's there. They, there's nothing that pulls like them. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see that one. Well, we've been rocking here for a little bit. Let's rock into another one of these little fun things. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully got a bunch of fish now. Because, I mean, we've been talking, and you totally got to catch them all. He's been giving you good info, too. So get it on out there, man. This bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at everything that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy garage. If you open up the page and the first thing you see is a guy holding a bunch of fish, um, yeah, that's all Chip right there. He's just crushing it out in the surf, man. The Bruno rig? Loves it. That thing catches fish. Those little itty-bitty beads, that little float and that hook does it every time. Maybe you need sinkers? Hey, it's in his name. He's got plenty of sinkers available. Sputniks and all in different weights. If you need a specific weight that's not listed on the website, don't forget, reach on out to Chip and talk to him. He might be able to accommodate you somehow, some way. If you need terminal tackle, any kind of other uh, pieces to build rigs, or maybe you need some supporting equipment, he's got it in there. So head on over to thesinkerguy.com. Get your order in today. Well, now we've talked all these with that one. Let's talk about seasons. And you mentioned earlier with the tides, um, you like getting out there at the slack tide because that's that point where, all right, tide's about to shift. Here we go. We're going to rock it out. But with that one, do you find that any tide is better for you or is it all kind of the same on the high and the low? Uh, Usually I like two hours before to two hours after of either high or low. Okay. So right before the switch when it's really kind of going. And both of them, for those for that one there on either side, has either one proved it better than the other, or is it kind of, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other? Pretty much, unless you're fishing near one of those uh, outflows like I was talking about, then you definitely want the outgoing tide, because that's when all the bait's being pushed back out in front of you. Right. Sucking it out and going from there. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So, all right. So let's play into the into the seasons here. We're coming into spring and the summer. Everything's about to be amazing for the next six months of fishing. I'm stupid excited for it. What have you noticed with spring and summer fishing for you in your area? Uh, spring's really good. Really, really good. All the bass are starting to move up. Like right now, like uh, we're just now getting the schoolies. We're getting some holdovers. Um, people that don't know the schoolies are the bass under 28s. They'll come in, then the slots will come in, and then the big girls come in after them. The fishing's real hot until, like, July. Once the hotter months get here, August, end of July, starts to slow down a little bit more. They're in a little bit deeper water, cooler water. Head up towards, like, Plymouth, where the water's a little bit colder. And then the fall run starts in all of them are trying to just get as fat as they can before they head back down south. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, the funny thing with summer, like, you guys don't get crazy hot like we do down here. I mean, you do get a good warm one, and the sun is hitting nice and good. And New England in the summer is not a bad place to be. Um, the but, difference is we got that nasty humidity. Yeah. Which yeah. makes it brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I feel you. I feel you every day on that humid word. Ugh. I remember, like, it, it would be like 95 here, and it'd be brutal. I was at Lake Havasu in Arizona. It was like 110. I'm like, this isn't bad at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've, I've told numerous people that on the beach. They're like, oh, how do you feel about this? I'm like, bro, I have been to Iraq and Afghanistan in the middle of summer. I will take their summer any day of the he- a week with that dry-ass heat than over this friggin' cooking oven that I'm being sous vide. I'm being boiled alive. Yeah. It gets brutal. Yeah. So with the summer for you, I mean, that's... I'm not overly surprised to hear the bite slows down, but I'm kind of also like, man, I guess I guess I could see that because you know, your water temperature does increase. But let's move it into the uh, the bitter evil time. What about winter? What do you guys do for that one? 
winter's tough. You can if you can find some bait, you could find some uh, warmer waters in the rivers. You could get into some holdover bass. Um, other than that, it's pretty much tear your rods apart, do some fresh water, respool your stuff, redo your rigs, stock up on all gear. Because if you're fishing the canal, you're donating to the canal. Oh yeah. You throw in a five ounce jig and you just rock piles at like seven, eight mile, uh, miles an hour, and you're just hanging up on the bottom. Whew. Nope, nope, no thanks. But no. that's where the big girls are. They're just <laughs> swimming at the bottom, waiting for the scraps to be dropped. <laughs> so you're, what you're saying is sometimes you got to pay the uh, you got to pay the tax to the uh, to Poseidon. Oh, one hundred percent. When I go to the canal, I know I'm donating thirty five, forty dollars in jigs. Oh no, that hurts. <laughs> if you don't snap off, you'll be like, "What happened tonight? Like, this is not right." <laughs> you better go buy a scratcher. Yep, because that's all you're doing is you just cast it as far up current. You just wait for your line to go thud. You're on the bottom, and you're bouncing it up in between rocks. Every every jig is bouncing into a rock hole. Oh wow. So you talked about bait earlier. We we're talking about matching the hatch, and you nailed into that really well. Thank you so much. And the tackle, you've really helped explain that one. Um, you, you've mentioned two of my favorite times a day, which is the the morning, which actually that's not my favorite. The evening bite is my absolute favorite. Have you noticed that during the time out there, there's a difference in the daylight or the sunset bite? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, nighttime by far for stripers is the best time. The big ones are usually feeding at night. You get the rare ones where if you find a blitz or something, you can get on some big fish. But usually you're casting out into pitch black, and that's when the big ones are hunting. You've got also, I mean, you got flounder up there that'll run sometimes close. They'll play into the game a little bit too. What other species do you like playing with up there? Uh, mostly for me, I guess I was, it was stripers and bluefish. And I, once I hooked into that stingray, I... I've never, I'm trying to figure out how big it was. No one, well, I can, can't really get an answer. Mass Fishing Game said that they had a biologist looking into it because they didn't know they got that big out here. And ever since then, it's, I want to see what else is out here. I got the tags from nowhere because sometimes we'll get the bycatch of the uh, sandbars. You can't target them, yeah. but you got them in the bycatch. So you go out, I mean, you mentioned it too, you, you, you talked about sharking. Uh, do you do some shark fishing up there? Uh, I've been trying. We we don't get too many that come in close. We'll get the occasional, the threshers will occasionally come in. I heard stories, my cousin caught one down in Westport one night. So I'm trying, but no, not too much luck so far. Just that mm -hmm. big, big stingray. So let's talk about your gear then. Uh, I know this wasn't really on the questions that I sent you, but l let's talk a little bit about that. W what's your gear set up when you're going out there uh, at the beach? Uh, I'll usually, for my plug-in rod, I have my 11-foot Shimano Taraleo. It's rated uh, 2 to 6. I got that paired with a, a VR200 and 50-pound Power Pro on it. I usually run like a 50-pound liter of fluorocarbon with it, probably about two feet um that's for plugging and then i'll have i got my 11 to 12 foot ugly sticks i had them paired up with uh shimano 8000 oc and 8000 d but i just upgraded them because i've had a few fish almost spool me the last few years holy crap on an I 8k just, yeah well Dang. they only hold uh, i think it's like 250 or 50 really Oh yeah. man, I thought the eight thousand would give you a couple hundred. I'll give you at least three fifty four hundred. No, not a fifty. But I mean, you don't really need fifty. It only has twenty pounds of drag. Yeah, that's true. That, that's I mean, because you are using the thicker stuff, so it is going to eat up a little bit more real estate. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So I recently I came across um, a Fin Noir. Not too many people have heard of them, but I got the offshore the ninety five hundreds absolute tanks really it yeah. has 65 pounds of drag spinning reel and it holds us uh, 650 yards of 65 all right now you got me oh is it the conventional or is it a spinner no, no the spinning the fin noir um 9500 offshore is what it's called all right i'm gonna find this and they're thing. fairly fairly cheap i think they're around like 200 that's f-i-n 
N O R. Yeah, finnor.com. Yeah, they're only showing me. Oh, wait. No, no. Here we go. Lethal spinning reel. I see that one. And then here's the end offshore SP. Yeah, if you type in the OFS 9500A offshore spinning reel, like it comes up on Tackle Direct. Okay. I, I just typed it in real quick on Google while we're on the phone to see if I could find it for you. Yeah, yeah I'm pulling it up too. See. Yep, here it is. I see it. Wow, it's got kind of They're a, absolutely tanks. Looks a little old school style. I like that. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the old school, what was it, uh, Michel, the freshwater reels yeah. from back in the day. Yeah. Dude, that handle is that that little handle on there is definitely a uh, a cranking handle. That ain't that that you're not messing around there. No, especially with that much drag, I can pretty much stop anything that I'm coming across. Oh, for sure. There's no way you couldn't, man. That thing looks that yeah, that looks so, like a beast of a reel. Oh yeah. So just for giggles this year, on TikTok I've been seeing a lot. Of, I don't know if you've heard of them, the Mad Cat Rods. That a lot of people use them for catfishing. Are those the ones that are uh, looking kind of orange, or uh, they, they they're doing yeah, more of the like night color? Yeah. yeah. So I was checking them out, and I was seeing people like boat flip like eighty pound catfish with them. So I'm like, <laughs> if that's the case, let me check it out. So I look them up, and they're rated two to sixteen ounces. Jeez, that's a beast. So I just ordered one of them, and it came in last week. I went out tog fishing. I was launching a five ounce sinker. Just all the way to the middle of the channel with that reel. Absolutely sending it. Holy crap. And so the castability is that smooth, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's a, you can feel it with the 60-pound braid. It's a little choppy. Right. But you can still send it. Oh, dude, it sounds like it. Man, boat flipping a big-ass cat. Those guys are nuts with those rods, dude. It's like they're they're borderline indestructible. Oh, yeah. And from what I can tell, his warranty seems really good. Like I said, I was running the ugly sticks just in the surf, just messing around. And if you try to throw a five-ounce sinker with a eel, that rod's bent in half. <laughs> you cannot cast it. Oh, wow. Yeah, this these things right here can take some damage. Dude, that's some cool finds right there. That's one thing I will absolutely give social media is you can find some pretty cool small businesses making some awesome gear. Right, and for the price, it was a, like a hundred dollars. Oh hell yeah! I'm like, what? My Terraleo, I just looked at the new one. They want four hundred. Ooh, oh, that'll hurt the heart. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's insane. And that thing can only cast up to six ounces. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, I mean, you're doing eight bait and chunks and happiness right there. So yeah, you definitely. Right, yourself... I can throw out my five ounce Sputnik and a bluefish head and probably launch it. I can't wait for this summer oh i'm already looking forward to seeing your posts about it now i'm like yeah there's going to be some good fish this year for you yeah i hope so i can't wait it's starting to pick up all all winch up sitting inside just like itching just waiting <laughs> yeah well, what other gear are you using man i mean you nailed a couple of really good things there so you got the the set rods there and you also got the the, the plug in and away anything else you're using uh lately i've been uh trying to get more into the conventional Okay. So I picked up a Saltis, uh, I think it's 38H, I think it is, a little conventional reel. I'm looking into a, a longer rod for it because the rod I had originally bought for boating, and it's just too small to cast from the surf. You can't get no distance. I only got it on like a seven-foot rod. Yeah, you need some length there for sure. You you were going to want that. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be so good. Like the man. last year I've been messing with that, and I can still get it out there decent. But I want, there's some new reels that I want. I, I really want to have it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I heard your podcast with the uh, RC boat, and that I uh, I really want one because kayaking out of bait it, oh, it's horrible. in Cape Cod waters is just so sketchy. Oh, definitely. So sketchy. That's the, and see, down here, I love the guys. It, I absolutely don't. You know, Oh, I love the Sharkers, and I, I, I admire them for the wheelbarrow that they have to carry that their sack in as they go in and out of the water every day when out of the kayak. But, dude, after watching Mike with, uh, you know, like Smitty Surf Fishing, uh, we're close friends. We also run the, the Friday Night Live here in the, for the Panhandle Fishing Report. 
man, when he started using the RC fishing surfer and taking baits out just to catch mid-range sharks, and then I'm watching these other guys do it with either, you know, the RC fishing surfer or the uh, or the Aqua Cat. Yeah, that's a big toy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hold on, I'm going to move this out here and I'm going to catch. And you're just, you know, yes, you're limited by the battery and range, sure. But you've created such a huge safety barrier for yourself and your team that it's like, we're good. It's totally worth it. Yeah. I I really, I really want one. I'm contemplating spending a thousand dollars on it's a lot though. (laughs) Oh, it is. You got it. You got to get the one with the fish finder just because it has the depth. Yep. Without that, you're pretty much just guessing. And then for you, I mean, your water, let's be honest, New England water is not exactly crystal clear. You've got some no. mud and murk. You're going to, you know, a little bit of sonar is going to go a long way there. A- absolutely. And we have the long stretches where you can walk out 300 yards and only be waist deep. Yeah. Yeah. You got some long So beaches. if you won't have something that shows depth, you could be casting in a five foot pool, just wasting your time all night. Well, there you go, folks. Hey, don't forget that. You know what beach you're on when you're up there. Know if it's a long one because it's the same thing we talk about with Texas. Texas has got long beaches, some, some of them also down in Florida. Oh, hell, the whole East Coast, let's be honest. There's some long ones that it's like you're wasting your time. Absolutely. There's some that drop off real quick, and there's some that will come all the way. You don't even have a beach. There's some surfs that come up to the parking lot, and then there's other ones you're walking out far. Mm-hmm. Well, I've tried chunking them a couple of times, and it's just, it's tough to chunk those beaches because you walk out 50, 60 yards and waders cast, come all the way back, plant, go to do it again, and by that time, your bait's robbed again. <laughs> uh, and the bait stealers are already got you nailed, too, which makes it even worse. It's like, come on, guys, just give me 20 minutes to breathe. Right? Just let me sit down for a minute. <laughs> When I was talking with uh, Island X Lures, he's down there, uh, down by Martha's Vineyard. Um, we were talking about his rigs and lures, and he's like, yeah, dude, you know, here it's, I'm lucky. You know, I, I can throw it out, and there's some really nice spots where it's just, oh, there's the drop-off. And he's like, you want to go out and hit the continental shelf? It's it's literally, all right, I can nail between these islands. I know where it's going to drop 60, 70 feet. And I was like, are you you're just throwing out? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'll just go out there. I'll throw my pencils or something like that, and, you know, it'll just, they'll nail it. He's like, it's it's just great water, man. Just great water. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Like, and some of the new rigs, like I don't know if this was a known thing. If all rigs can do it, one of the big rigs I was using last year was off of I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called CatSharks.com. No. Nope. And they had this casting rig where you can take the hook with the bait and fold it up onto the uh, Sputnik. So a ten foot leader becomes five feet now. Oh, wow, really? And when you cast it, it supposedly it bounces back out and unhooks off the Sputnik, and now you got a full-size leader again. Uh, yeah, I've heard of something like that um, not too long ago when Nick Meyer and I were talking for Texas. Um, uh, I think it's a breakaway, uh, a breakaway tackle. Yes, yes, I, 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 I do remember rig. hearing that on, on that video now. I'm trying to find another company because that one company, I, I can never find their casting rigs there always sold out oh yeah yeah nick i know nick out of uh breakaway tackle in texas they have that and that's one of his big ones he's like yeah look like he had it in the video and he's showing me see how this does and i'm just looking at it going well that shortened things up and makes it more aerodynamic now doesn't it right trying to cast a 10 foot leer with a 10 foot rod it's dragging in the sand you're like what am i doing (laughs) nothing good man nothing good comes from that (laughs) Casting it out like 30 feet, and you're like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are the worst days. So bad. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've been jawjacking here for a minute. It's time for another bait check. It is your third and final bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish, life is good, and you are just listening to this on the ride home, and things are just looking up for the next time out. And if not, well, let's change that bait one more time. Maybe you need to change locations and spots. Not a bad idea. We've been talking for a little bit. This bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Over at NinjaTackleVA.com, Matt's got a bunch of things in there that I've talked about all the time. Something about a limited edition bummy stick. 
Yeah, something about that. Just a nice rod. Yeah, it's been doing good things. You can do a lot of cool things with it with that length. You can throw lures. You can do set rigs. Fun stuff there. The seven-foot spinning inshore go-to rod. You guys know I talk about that all the time. I mean, I'm throwing a one-ounce piece of metal out there, nailing it about 100 yards, 100-plus. 100 a little bit more with the old tailwind days, but man, fish love it. And it's a fun fight on there. If you need rigs, he's got them or reels. He is an authorized retailer of those wonderful green monsters that you see all the time. The Accios, lots of cool stuff in there. So lots of rods, rigs, bait, you need it. It's a one-stop shop. Get on over to NinjaTackleVA.com and get your order in today. You will not be sorry. Oh, man, we've been at this. We're, we're coming up on the home stretch for you here, man, and I have been thoroughly enjoying this. So thank you so much. Right, this hour flew by. Dude, isn't it nuts? It's like, wait, we were just talking like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I can't believe it's already three B checks. I uh, know, man. It's nuts. All right. So what knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? Patience. Definitely patience and just keep at it. Like I said, I spent the first year without a fish. And then once you're on, you're on. Yeah. Isn't it like, tell me if I'm wrong, by all means, please. It's like a light switch sometimes after you've been grinding and grinding and grinding. And then you get that first hookup, you bring it in, and then you're looking at your gear. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, damn. Oh, oh, crap. Throw it back out. That worked. Let's do this again. And it's just maintained success after that. Absolutely. Once you figure out confidence with your, your lures is a big thing. If you don't think a lure is going to work, a lot of times you're not going to fish it right. Oh, the positive. And you're going to have the correct gear, too. Like, I was fishing the canal. I had great reel, don't get me wrong, the Penn Spin Fisher. I think it was a 5,500. I think that's the big one. Yeah. Maybe it's a 75. I'm not exact. It was one of the two. But in three or four 25 pound bass and i blew out the anti-reverse whoa cooked it after that i went and bought the vr a lot of people talk bad about the vr but mine's handled so many big fish with that strong current too in the canal and it turns them dude that that's the one thing i think a lot of people that are traveling don't take into effect uh, with certain areas the current in different zones is it could be night and day like we were talking pre-show you know you were listening to the the stripers of the straight episode and he's talking about that tidal swing and i'm like how much did you say and he's like yeah the bay empties out bud that's like oh yeah i was driving crap. today and it, it was probably a 34 difference from high tide to low tide easy and i don't even think it was down to low yet jeez but that kind of tidal movement is just it's huge and if you're not you know if you're not accustomed to it and like you said you're just donating it so you got to be be ready for that stuff absolutely and just make sure you got the right gear because if you go out there with little gear these fish are powerful and with that current behind them they'll just swim and swim and swim man that's one of my biggest worries when i come up and fish up there of like all right i got plenty of line if you've got the patience i got the time but damn is it gonna pull well not only that though the problem with the canal like i said we call it combat fishing yeah yeah you got guys that when they see your fish break they're like oh that's a fish and they're casting at it (laughs) so you can't just fight the fish like you have to be able to lock that fish down and stop it (laughs) uh so how many times have you seen it where one guy is hooked up or two guys are hooked up on a single fish fighting it together Usually, about three out of four fish. (laughs) (laughs) When you are in a line and you're reeling in a fish, you're pulling off two or three jigs when you're bringing it in. (laughs) It's not just like, yeah, let me hop down here and fish. You can find spots on the canal like that where you can go out and do your own thing. But usually, people are together for a reason. Yep. That's got to be horrible, man. That's just that, that that doesn't sound like fun to me. But on the same one, it kind of does. It's like yeah, we're all working together for the same thing. When you got the good crews down there and everyone's casting in a line and every rod is bent over, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. Like I was looking through pictures and it looks like I'm at a concert in some of the pictures, and I'm just on the bank and everyone is hooked up on the canal. Oh wow, that sounds intense. 
Well, like I spent a lot of time down there. I had a good job where I was working just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I had four days off a week, and I was down the canal four days a week. But the weekdays are some of the best days, man. You get you don't have to worry about the weekend. There's no one there. <laughs> yes, that's that's the best thing. Definitely. So, uh, but like you pe- mentioned earlier, nighttime was the best time. Yeah. Okay. So sunset into night, and you you guys fish by nighttime. It's not off the beach at dark. You're you're hanging out for a while. Yeah. We're usually like when I when I was doing my trips down the canal, I'd leave my house around like twelve, get there for two a.m. And then fish until a little after sunrise. And just when the schools come through, they come through. You're sitting there jigging for hours with nothing. And then all of a sudden, you're just hooked up and hooked up with a big fish. Usually, you don't get small fish from the canal. No, it doesn't sound like it. I remember my first one when I knew absolutely nothing. I was throwing a little ugly stick with one of the little storm shad baits. Okay. And I just found one of the little sewer drains, just any kind of water inflow. That's what I always look for. And I hooked into like a little, like 14 inch striper and I was hooked. <laughs> Dude, if you guys have never been to New England or there are some of these other fisheries like this, the spillway is, it, it, it's like a Mecca because it's getting nutrients from wherever that stuff was and stuff's and the fish are just picking it off, whether it's, you know, krill if you want to call it that or uh, the green slime that comes through because it's all there and it's just a fun little zone to just drop and like come here you're ready it's on oh yeah they're all just hanging out right at the end nope. so don't discount those when you go fishing don't you know if you can find some spillways and some funds into the canal don't don't ignore that that still counts as surf fishing in my opinion kind of as long as you're close to the beach <laughs> <laughs> Well, the canal works perfect because it cuts off all the beaches. There you go. <laughs> yep, don't got to worry about that. <laughs> it's deadly, though. You got to wear the, the corkers with the spikes because if you're on those rocks at night, oh, it gets yeah. slippery. I've gotten some damage, broke some rods down there. Ooh, that would hurt my soul right there. The idea of that makes me cringe. Oh, yeah. What do you think a reason has been for such a surge to surf fishing? I would have to say a mixture of social media and COVID. Everyone being locked in their house and having access to seeing other people outside their house. I think that definitely had a huge push into it. I could totally see that for sure. So we've been talking about people coming up and all that. I mean, you know, not a lot of people. We've got listeners all over the world, all over the country, and some, you know, Massachusetts is no place to stick your nose up of saying, no, there's no fishing. There's lots of good fishing. What do you recommend to someone that's coming to that area for the very first time, has never been there before, knows what they're doing, but never been up there? What do you recommend they do before they start fishing that zone? Um, well, if they're going to do the canal, definitely just stop in the bait shops, get some heavy, heavy gear. You want at least 50-pound line for everything because you're in the rocks. And if you're on the beaches, you want the floral, you start, you can chunk, or you can throw out like the metals, like you were saying, the cast masters, the deadly dicks, top waters. The people love the darters. The bass love the darters. You know, you gotta just experiment and find out what bait this is running. Okay. You know, you bring up something that just clicked to me, and I should have asked it earlier. Um, obviously, fish key in on vibration. Uh, you know, especially big predators, they they find that fish at the top trying to jump out and run away. Uh, top water up there creating such a buzz, and like you said, it just wears them out on those striped bass. I mean, it's just getting after them. But do you find that top water is better than metal and sinking style, or is it kind of no difference? It depends on your like your preference. Like if you want to go for the big fish, you want to be in the canal. You want to be on a jig on the bottom. I've caught in. 35-pound stripers on top water, but not as consistently as jigging. Okay. Because, like you said, the big girls, like they like the bottom. They like that current yeah, they're fast. They're not big for a re- they're big for a reason. Yeah. They're just hanging out, being slow, just waiting for food. And a big-ass striped bass needs to eat a lot. Oh, yeah. When I, when I take one, I don't eat often, but when I take them home, I've pulled out range from crabs i've pulled out multiple uh mackerels at a time heron squid they'll eat anything 
<laughs> yep. Yep, there's a chance I gotta go up this summer. <sighs> I need a reason. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, and when the canal's on, it's on. That's dude, that seriously sounds like such a good time. Like I, I after we're done here, I got something to ask you about and we'll figure it out on the offline side. But uh I will be in the New England area in uh, about two months. So we, we we might be we might have a day trip have to happen. That would yeah, that would be prime fishing time. Perfect. Let's do that. All right, let's get you the last question and get you out of here, man. You've been friggin' phenomenal, and I've loved every second of this. What's next for you? Uh, honestly, I kind of want to try growing the mass surf fishing. Like I said, when I originally created it, it was just for people to ask questions. I never thought it would be. Now it's up to almost 10,000 people with all the platforms. And some people, like I've got the T-shirt. Some people ask about that. Some think about making that an option. I talked about the veteran thing of trying to get some veterans out on the surf so i want to figure out a way to turn it just from a hobby to something else i don't know what yet but something else yeah i'll say this happily and leave it in the episode and i do mean this you know if you if i can help in any way and if any of our listeners if you can offer any good help for chris by all means you know we're we're here for you man it however we can assist make you make that monster grow because that that's all this is about is learning and growing and helping everyone become better and getting somebody out there and fishing. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I really do. That's all it is for me is just trying to get people out on the water. Well, let's definitely make that happen. Well, Chris, dude, this hour has flown by. It's, it's hard to believe it's already done and we nailed all the questions and you've been phenomenal, man. Lots of great information and fully open with it. I appreciate it. You know, it's been phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, we'll talk more. I know that. That's going to happen. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't wait. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a good day. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We're coming back from that nice, fun uh, digital trip up to Massachusetts. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe it might be time for some of you to go up there and enjoy that old New England summer when it's not brutal, brutal, and get a line in the water. It's not a bad place out of Cape Cod if you haven't been. Some pretty cool stuff. So lots of good fishing in that area. And uh, if you're on the social media world, which more than likely you are, because that might be where you found me, uh, go take a look at Mass Surf Fishing. That's a Facebook group on there. By all means, you know, link in, share people up there, learn about it. It's all we can do is learn. And who knows, maybe that'll work in your area. It's been great talking with you as always. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate you. I will see you next week. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I'm out of here. (laughs) 